John chapter 14, verse 26. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. We can all be changed into his glorious image and reflect God's glory. This is a promise given to us, and to God always keeps his promises. Okay, wait, actually, sorry. So Connie was so sweet, and she sent me the message titles and the verses. And so that was her little description of what she wanted this to be. So I'm going to read that again without her adorable ascription, because, you know, even though it's adorable, it's not quite inspired. So let's just read John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. God, we are so grateful that you do the work, that this is not up to us, that God, this is up to you. That, Lord, you call us to surrender, you call us to to give you our minds, that you call us to give you our thoughts, that you call us, Lord, to be that living sacrifice. But, God, you call us to give you all that so that you can then do the work through us. This is not dependent upon us. It's not dependent upon our reflection. It's not dependent upon our put-togetherness or not. It's not dependent upon us. God, and we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for what you've already done this morning and what you will continue to do this morning. God, would you rein our minds in? Rain our minds in from all the logistical things that take place after this. God, you're not done. The Sunday morning service is not just the leftover one. Lord, you have so much that you want to do and that you already did do through worship, through the testimony. God, that you want to speak through this study, that you want to speak through communion. God, we know that you're not done yet, and I pray that not one of us will leave this room today without something that we saw you do in our hearts this morning. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 So I don't want you to think I'm a bad mom. <laughs> my friends, when my kids were younger, they always had, had their kids make their own food. And I'm always just really excited to get everything organized, and I like to make my kids food, and my daughter's going to be 18, and she's going to come to this Bible college, and I don't know if she's going to be able to make her own breakfast, (laughs) because I make her own breakfast for her every day, and I get up at 5, and I walk downstairs, and while my coffee pot is brewing, I make eggs, and I make things like that, and then I set them out on little three matching organized plates with little napkins that say, I love you, and my husband never sees this, and he already thinks that I do too much, and randomly the other day, he was up at five, and he walks downstairs, and you see all these little matching napkins, and he says, are you serious that this is what you do every day? I know, but one day when they were younger, I was talking to my friend, and she had all this stuff about independence and blah, 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 and not depending on you and blah, 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 and so I decided not to make them breakfast to see how long it took them to notice, and at this point, I think it was the summer, they were homeschooled, and so they were home all day, and we were fine, and 
I think they were about 10, 8, and 6, and we were just in the kitchen, like, playing a card game, sitting at the table, and I thought I would just wait to see when they got hungry. I just wanted to hear it from them, that they were hungry. They never did. 8 a.m. passes. 9 a.m. passes. Finally, around 10 o'clock, my oldest says, my tummy really hurts. I realized she had never felt hunger. Because I kept them full of food. And as I was thinking about the Holy Spirit being our helper, my mind kept going back to that story because all that is the power, all that is the Holy Spirit belongs to us. And I was thinking about that because here's my kids and their tummies are hurting because they're hungry and they're sitting in a kitchen full of food with a mom who is anxiously awaiting their beckoning calls so that I can get up and make them food. And they have no idea that the pain that they are feeling is because of hunger over what they have at their available service. And girls, that's the description of many of us us in this room today. We have all we need for life and godliness. We have the Holy Spirit who has been given to us as our helper. And I don't know if we don't pray sometimes because we think that we have to like block out an hour or say some kind of magical words or repeat great things that sound mighty and noble in and of themselves as prayer. The favorite prayer in the Bible was Peter's, was it not? Help! Save me. I'm sinking. We don't have to think about great and mighty things to say. We don't have to schedule out an hour. I really need help right now, but I don't have all day to fast and pray. You can say, God, I really need help right now. And guess what? He helps. He's a helper. He's ready. He's waiting. You have everything that you need. Ephesians chapter 1 says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Girls, you are in Christ. You're in Christ. And that is unique to us because Buddhists don't speak of being in Buddha. Muslims don't speak of being in Muhammad or in Allah. Christian scientists don't speak of being in Mary Baker Eddy. That would be weird. They may faithfully follow the teachings. They might follow the examples of those religious leaders, but only we as Christians can claim to be in our Lord. And to understand that is such a blessing. Do we realize how blessed we are? That word means, oh, how happy. 
when we truly take time to think about who we are in Christ and all that we have in him, there is no end to that inexpressible joy. Psalm 16 says, in his presence is fullness of joy and we are in his presence. Now, I love Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm sure you girls have heard that, but you read that giant chunk of scripture, even more than we read, and it's all one long sentence in the Greek. And I'm sure that Paul's grammar teacher would not have approved, but I love that because how could we not get carried away when we're expressing the wonders of who we are in Christ and all we have in Christ and all that belongs to us in Christ. We have all of his blessings at our disposal. I remember reading a story one time in the LA Times about an elderly couple who were found dead in their apartment. And when an autopsy was done, it was found that they died of malnutrition and starvation, which was so sad. But then you read that the reason that they died was because they had $40,000 of cash in paper bags in their closet, but they didn't use any of it. And that makes it a sad story for a different reason. Because they had all the money that they needed, but they lived as though they had none. And girls, I see Christians all the time. I counsel Christians all the time who have all they need for life and godliness, and yet live as though they have nothing. And because of that, they're starving in their walk with God. They're malnutritioned in their walk with God. And yet all they have to do is reach out and accept what God is giving to them. We have been given a helper. Jesus said, I'm not leaving you orphans. I'm sorry, I'm so distracted. I had a Vicks cough drop, and it tastes just like Vicks. I feel like I scooped out a pile of Vicks and shoved it in my mouth, and it's the nastiest thing going on up here right now. It is so awful. Who made that? Okay, sorry. When all the cough drops are at your disposal, why would you grab that one? We have all we need for life and godliness. And it's how Jesus designed us to live. He said, I didn't leave you as orphans. I'm giving you a helper. I'm giving you a comforter. Jesus designed us to live in him. And we are called to take hold of all that we have in him. We are in the middle of a building project right now, and we've got 22 acres that's about to be developed, and it's so exciting, and it's absolutely amazing, and all the permits and all of that went through, which I think took about 45 years, and... um, And so we had this big, like, groundbreaking ceremony a couple weeks ago. And now I love my husband. He is the cutest husband ever in the world. But he's just not like a fixity guy, you know? He's like a call somebody guy. And every time he tries to fix something in the house, I just say to him, you're such a good Bible teacher. You're so good at what God calls you to do. 
because this is not what God called you to do. And so the groundbreaking ceremony just cracked him yet because here he is like on this line with ribbons and shovels and, and he's digging and people are taking pictures and then everybody was at the ceremony wanted to take a picture of him digging and holding that shovel. Now he's not going to do one iota of effective work of building that building or of developing that land or anything, but it was a really cute picture. Girls, life is our groundbreaking ceremony. We are not good at what we do. We are not good at being godly. We are not good at being righteous. We are not good at being holy. And yet all of it is available to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because see, with my husband in that little lineup at the groundbreaking ceremony, were the actual people who were going to do something. My husband dug a hole that is going to have to be covered over. They are actually going to do the work. And our lives are much the same. What we do for God is going to have to be covered over by the power of his Holy Spirit so that it can be done right. And some of you, and sometimes me, we're out in this world and we've got our shovel as though we're actually the ones who are going to get this done. As though we're actually the ones who are able to do it. Yes, I am a Christian. I am going to build God's kingdom for him. No, you're probably going to mess it up like a three-year-old trying to help you make a bed and it's just not going to work and he's going to have to come over and clean everything. But you just keep holding your shovel and looking cute because you've got that part going. Girls, we weren't called to do this life alone. We weren't. And some of you feel guilty about that. Some of you feel guilty that you just can't quite figure out how to build the building. Guess what? You were never called to build the building. You are called to let the Holy Spirit build the building through you. And some of you are starving, and you can't quite figure out this life, and you don't quite know how to do it. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the Helper. We have all we need for life and godliness in Christ. We are in Christ. It's his abundant mercy, his love, his grace, his forgiveness, his power over bitterness and gossip and worry and depression and anxiety. It's his breastplate of righteousness that can bring us purity. What do you need today? As you go home, and if you're going home to a home where other people are inhabiting, and you should know that it's not going to look the way that it looked when you left, what do you need as you go home? What do you need? What do you need as you go back to work tomorrow, back to school tomorrow, back to that difficult situation tomorrow? What do you need? Precious girl, you already have it. You've already got it. When a baby is born, they've got everything that they, that they need to grow up to be a giant individual, or a tiny individual, but an adult nonetheless. They've got it all. You don't have to take your baby to like a little charging update station. <laughs> Plug it in. Oh, it's time for toddler bones. Oh, it's time for a teenage attitude. No, they've got it all. They've got it all when they're born, and girls, you have it all. You don't need an update package to your Christianity. You've got the helper. You've got the Holy Spirit. 
And like we said, I think the first night, in a world where identities can be stolen, God gives us an unstealable identity. Your identity is that you are in Christ. Your identity is that you have a helper, that you have all you need for life and godliness. And yet so often, why is it that we think like spiritual orphans? That we act and operate like spiritual orphans. Do we remember that we are heirs of Christ? That everything the Son owns and is belongs to us as well. Do we remember that we're hidden in Christ? That it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Do we remember that, like Ephesians goes on to say, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us? You need some dead things raised in your life? You've got that power. You've got that power. Do you remember that Jesus told the disciples to wait because they couldn't do anything without the power from on high through the Holy Spirit? And that meant that when they had the Spirit poured out in abundance, that they would be unstoppable in Him. Girls, we just have to plug into the riches that we already have. We just have to feed on God's faithfulness that we already have by realizing how blessed we are in Him. By applying his word to our lives as we walk with God and letting the Holy Spirit help us and letting the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. Is that one of our daily prayers? God, have your way. Have your way. This is your day. This is your life. This is your time. This is your moment. Are you a woman of the word? Are you feeding on his help that he wants to give you? You know, last night when I was talking about the things that I walk through, I kept feeling like God put on my heart this morning to also say that God was so good in them because he prepared my heart. We talked last night that he doesn't prepare our hearts by fear, but you know how he did prepare my heart? He prepared my heart by giving me verses. By the time we got that diagnosis, I had so many verses that God was just kind of shoving in my heart and just saying, I want you to notice this verse. I want you to know how important this verse is. I want you to read this verse. I mean, there were Psalms that talked about about God's faithfulness and that we would walk before the Lord in the land of the living and you have kept my eyes from tears and you have kept my feet from stumbling that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. God kept giving us all these miraculous living in the land of the living verses that he was holy, that he was just, that he walked with us, that he walked before us. He kept giving us all these verses so that by the time I got to that situation, I knew that my husband was going to be okay. I knew he was going to be fine. Girls, are we women of the word? Because that is our help. I said over and over in those seasons, I can't imagine how unsaved people and Christians who don't read their Bibles walk through things like this. Because I had so much confidence because of the words that God was speaking to me. And you know, even on the way out here, I was just crying in my car because I felt like God had given me an answer to something. And all of a sudden, it just hit me. You know that verse where it says that 
that he loves to give us the secret things of the Lord. Or Jeremiah 33, that we can call to him and he will show us great and mighty things that you do not know. Can you believe that? Can you believe that we can pray about something and that God can speak to us and then we can walk in absolute confidence because we know that that was his word? It's like we can know the future. We can know what's going on. That's amazing to me. Girls, do we lay a hold of that? Are you in God's word? Are you in his word daily? I remember my son got in trouble for something. And he got in trouble. And the, um, that afternoon, he read his Bible. And he said, I feel so dumb. Because what, I, what he had gotten in trouble for was in the proverb that morning. And he's like, if I had just read it in the morning, maybe I wouldn't have gotten in so much trouble. <laughs> and don't you feel like that sometimes? Oh, man, if I had just read God's word before I had that conversation, maybe I wouldn't have gotten in so much trouble. Girls, we have all we need. We have all we need. We've been given a helper to reflect our God with. So who are we in Christ? The first identity that I want to consider is the truth that we're chosen by God that we read in Ephesians chapter 1. And now we're not going to fight over this. I don't care if you're Calvinist, Armenian, whatever you are. Women's Retreat is not the place to do that. I don't know if any place is the place to do that because they've been burning each other since the 1600s. I don't think we're going to get it figured out. But can we just come to that verse and come to that understanding and come to that realization and be, be in awe of the fact that God chose us? However he did it, you're chosen. Can we come to that verse and be amazed that before the foundation of the world, you were chosen in him. It wasn't because you earned it. It was just because he wants you. Does that blow your mind? That God specifically asks to be identified with us. He wants to be near us because he wants to be near us. Does that amaze you? Maybe you've had junior hires or been around junior hires. I can't get my junior hires to be identified with me. Now, two of them are in high school, and it's a little bit better now. But I remember back when my son would do worship when he was in junior high, and I would say, can I come hear you do it? And he would get this wide-eyed, breath, nostril-flaring look and, and just say, no, I'll give you your own personal concert when we're at home. He would pretend like he didn't know me at church, and I talked to him about it one day, and I said, how would you feel if I ignored you and pretended not to know you? And I'm thinking he's probably like, I would feel just fine. (laughs) And I said, I don't want you to do that anymore. Please don't ignore me in the hallways. Like, we're there for seven hours on a Sunday morning. Don't ignore me. And for the whole year after that, every time he would see me in the hallway, he would do this kind of like squinty-eyed, puckered mouth, half-wave of... I was like, oh, that was so much worse. And I told my mom, my mom laughed, and she said, I remember when you used to do that to me. And I said, I know, but I'm a cool mom. She said, well, they don't think so. (laughs) Do we understand what it means that God chooses to be identified with us? That he wants our reflections to actually reflect him. 
He wants to be our helper, that he wants to be associated with us, that he wants to draw near to us, that he wants to spend time with us, that he wants to work in us and through us and change us. Girls, our identity is that he wants to be identified with us, and that's amazing. You're valuable to God. And we need to see this so that it can impact who we are and how we walk and how we reflect him. See, sometimes you find Christians and they reflect him as though God is nowhere around, that they're all on their own, that they're spiritual orphans. Or sometimes you find Christians that reflect a God who is angry, who is waiting for them to mess up, who is waiting for them to fail so that he can strike them down or punish them with a sickness. Girls, that is all inaccurate and not biblical at all. Like we've been saying, you were picked for no other reason than that God truly wants you. He just loves you. He just wants to be near you. He's not mad at you. He's not mad at you if you don't read your Bible. He's not mad at you if you don't go to church. He's not mad at you if you don't choose to thank him. He's not mad at you if you don't choose to praise him. Now, are those things a good idea? Yeah. If a soldier ran out on the field of battle and war without any armor on, would the general be mad at him when he got shot? No. I think the general would feel bad for him because he had armor. He had things to protect him in that battle. And girls, you have things to protect you in this battle. You have the word of God. You have fellowship and gathering together at church. You have giving thanks. You have praise. Those are things to protect us, to help us do battle well. But God's never angry if you don't use them. It's not the wisest, I think, not to use them. But you were chosen by God so that he could lavish you with his love. You were picked for a purpose. You were chosen so that he could make you holy and without blame before him in love. We're chosen by him. We're adopted by him. We're made holy and blameless in him. He has washed us clean. He has forgiven us. Our past, our present, our future is gone and done away with. He has made us acceptable in the beloved. And he has changed us completely. And more than that, he wants to give you all that you need to then walk those things out in truth. I have a friend that I used to ask for recommendations when I needed something done around my house. And it took me a while to realize that she has such a soft heart for the underdog that she kept sending me people who had absolutely no idea what they were doing, but they were just getting off of drugs and wanting to make a change. And so she'd send them to my house to take up all the tile. And she'd send them to my house to paint the walls. And we know that God chose us. We know that God wants to use us, but sometimes we think about ourselves like that. Like, well, we know that God's not going to turn anyone away. So come on, sweet little messed up baby. I'll try to find a job for you. You can do this. 
And it's so sweet that he saved us. And it's so sweet that he made us his family. And he calls us his daughters. But we all have that relative. You know what I mean? (laughs) You know who I'm talking about. We have that relative. Or maybe you are that relative. I don't know. (laughs) We all have that relative, like the one that I have, who tends to drink alcohol and mixes that with taking tranquilizers and decides that that's the best time for her to start posting stuff on your Facebook wall. (laughs) If you guys follow me on Instagram or on Facebook and you see kind of crazy little comments, you know, you'll know that person. You'll know that relative. And you know what? To be honest, sometimes I can see myself as that version of God's relative. Maybe some of you picture God seeing you this way. Oh, it's her. <laughs> Here she is in prayer. Okay, good to see you. I'll be right back. <laughs> gotta... Your identity, your reflection is that you were made acceptable acceptable in the beloved, acceptable like he loves you, acceptable like he wants to be around you, acceptable like he's proud to show us off as daughters, acceptable like, don't forget, you're his trophy wife. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 tells us another identity that we have in Christ. It says, in him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Your identity, your reflection, is that you are sealed by this Holy Spirit who was sent to help you. You're sealed by him. He's the guarantee of our inheritance. We are those who are to be changed by being convicted by the Holy Spirit who reveals truth. He reveals truth to us. He helps us by telling us what we need to hear. He helps us by saying those things that maybe no one else will say. And are you thinking, well, that doesn't sound much like an identity, but maybe you're like me and you know a lot of people who speak truth. They speak the truth that it's on their mind and it's not so much of a blessing when they do it. I remember being in Israel trying to come home and, well, first of all, back up, let me tell you about my passport picture. (laughs) Praise God I have a new one right now. So that whole hammock story that I told you guys a few days ago, whenever it was, yesterday, have have we been here five years? I think we have been. So the passport picture needed to be taken soon after the whole hammock incident. And also, I told you that I had a newborn. Well, you know, I had had my hair dyed, and it was before they were good at blending it. And so I had, like, blonde highlights that were grown out like this, and I was waiting to be done nursing so that I could do something about it. And also, my head was like this. And so I get there, and Jason calls me, and he says, I just realized we need your passport picture taken today. If you're going to get your passport in time, we've got to do this. We've got to go meet me down at CVS right now. So I'm like in sweats and a sweatshirt, and my hair is all crazy. And so I get down to CVS with my toddlers and my newborn in tow, and I can't move my neck at all. And so I stand there, and I've got like my hair grown out. My head's like this, and I smile, 
And then they say it was close to after 9-11, and so they said, you can't smile. And I said, and they took the picture. So that was my passport picture for 10 years. So I'm trying to come home from Israel one time, and the lady, you know, in Israel, they're pretty good about, like, like checking and airport security. And so she's looking at me, and she looks at the passport picture, and she looks at me, and she looks at the passport picture, and she looks at me, and she looks at the passport picture, and she says, this is not you. And I said, oh, no, it is. And she said, no, this is not you. And I'm thinking, I've got to get home to my babies. No, it is. And so she brings somebody else over with her, and she says, she says this is her. And she says, that's not you. And I said, no, really, it is. Look. <laughs> and she said, I'm going to let you go as long as you promise never to do this to your hair again. <laughs> and some of us picture the Holy Spirit speaking truth into our hearts like that. Like he's angry, like he's annoyed that we're back again and we failed again and we did it again. And he's like, what is it with you? Get it together. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's not the helper. There is no condemnation. The conviction of the Holy Spirit should drive us to Christ, not feeling guilty and being away from Christ. The Holy Spirit is gentle with his truth. He's gentle with his correction. He's gentle, like we talked about with that mirror, just a little, <gasps> clean you off a little bit. He moves upon our hearts, and we're made aware of our sinful, nasty condition, not so that we can be devastated, not so that we can be unuseful, not so that we can be inoperative, but so that he can wash us make us clean so that he can purify us so that he can set us upright again so that he can adjust the reflection so it doesn't look like a funhouse mirror so that he can make us like him so that we can run our race without the weights of sin that can so easily entangle us i remember when my kids were first needing deodorant <sighs> And I remember they hopped into the car, and I was like, oh, no, I'm not doing this. Because, you know, we're kind of new to the desert. We moved from San Diego. This whole heat thing, we've been there for five years. And they got into this hot car, and it already had my son's football bag in it. And I was like, no, I'm not doing this. And so I sent them back in the car. I said, oh, sweet babies, you smell so bad. You've got to go back into the house and put deodorant on. And one of them said, Mom, that's so mean. I thought you loved me. And I said, oh, baby, I love you more than anything. And that's why I'm telling you, you have got to go wash your armpits and put deodorant on right now and change your shirt. This is the most loving thing that I can say to you in the moment. And the Holy Spirit, as he helps us, as he changes us, as he grows us, sometimes he just grabs us and says, oh, sweet baby, you are so stinky. You smell so bad right now. That word that's coming out of your mouth, that thing that you're talking about, that thing that's on the TV right now, that thing that you're listening to, that thought that you're thinking, it's just the stinkiest thing that you could be doing right now. But he convicts us of sin not because he's angry, not because he's upset, 
not because we failed again. He convicts us of sin so that we don't walk through this life stinky. He convicts us of sin so that we can be the reflections of Jesus that we long to be. He's here to help us. He's here to convict us. He's here to speak truth to us. And he's here to seal us. And that word seal there in Ephesians chapter 1 is a picture taken from the Roman times. The Roman officials, I'm sure you girls know this, would put a seal on the letters or in anything of importance because they were saying, that's mine. This is mine. This belongs to me. I own this. The seal spoke of ownership. It spoke of authenticity. It was really mine. And girls, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And that seal, it speaks of ownership. It speaks of authenticity. It's your identification that you are marked and sealed by the Holy Spirit. And that seal is our guarantee that heaven is coming. That seal is our guarantee that an inheritance in heaven awaits us. That word guarantee is the idea of an engagement ring. A guy is saying to you, I paid money for this, so now you know I'm actually going to show up. Right? Is that not what they're saying? God says, I paid for you. Girls, you were bought, you were purchased, and you were redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And you are now sealed with the guarantee of the Holy Spirit that he is going to help you all the way until you get to heaven. You have the guarantee that he's going to return and that we'll be in heaven with him. It's a guarantee that an inheritance is coming, that more is coming. Like when a place and a meal is cleaned up and a little tiny mug and a little tiny spoon is set down, yes, that's my favorite part. Coffee and dessert are on the way. This is so exciting. Every time you're in a time of worship and you sense the presence of the Holy Spirit, every time you hear him speak in that still small voice to your heart through his word, do this, don't do this, go this way, prompting you, changing you, directing you, setting your course, every time you encounter the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, every time you feel him cutting away and changing you and growing you, it's God saying You're sealed, and I promise that there is more coming. I promise that this relationship is a reality. Girls, we are chosen, adopted, acceptable, convicted by the word of truth, sealed by the Holy Spirit, and given a guarantee. More is on the way, and heaven is real. You know, there's three relationships that we see in the Bible that the Holy Spirit has with us. The first one, and I know a lot of you girls know this, but I also know a lot of you gave your lives to Jesus last night. And I watched you stand, and I talked to some of you, and I'm so excited to hear the stories of you going home and getting plugged into church and getting a Bible and reading and growing in worship and growing in your relationship with the Lord. And so I know that a lot of you in the room know this, but good refresher course and a good thing for those of you who are new. There's three relationships that the Holy Spirit has with us. The first one is the Greek word para, and it means alongside and we see it in John 16, 8, that the Holy Spirit is alongside of us, that he convicts us. Before we know Jesus, he's there to convict the world of sin. 
He walks alongside of you saying, you're not right. You're missing something. You've got a hole in your heart that can only be filled by Jesus. And for those of you who remember that time, you remember your dark days, I think that you would testify, anyone with your hands raised, that you knew something was not right with you, that you heard his voice, that you knew something was not okay. And maybe that's you in here today still. I would love to talk to you. Connie would love to talk to you. Nini, anybody would love to talk to you. We don't want you to leave this place without surrendering your life to Jesus. Don't go home without him. And so that's the first word that's in the Bible. The second relationship that we see in the Bible that the Holy Spirit has with us is found in John chapter 20, verse 22. And it says that Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit went in them, John tells us. And that's the Greek word en, E-N. And this speaks of salvation. This is when the work of Jesus was done on the cross. He had died on the cross. He had risen from the dead. He had seen his disciples and he breathes the Holy Spirit onto his disciples. Their salvation was complete. They received the promise that there would be a friend of the Holy Spirit, the helper, the comforter with them. And you know, sometimes we stop there and we're content with those two relationships with the Holy Spirit. We're content that he convicted us of sin and brought us to Jesus. And then we're content that Jesus breathed on us the Holy Spirit in salvation. But my only problem personally with that is that Jesus, after this, after he breathed on the Holy Spirit onto his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And I kind of think that when Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit, that you receive the Holy Spirit, right? Well, after that, in Luke chapter 24, he tells them to wait to wait in Jerusalem so that he could endue them with power from on high. And in Acts chapter 1, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, upon you. And that Greek word is epi. The Holy Spirit comes alongside of you. He comes in you. And then Jesus says, okay, but wait, there's more. Now the Holy Spirit wants to come upon you. That word power in the word, in that verse, is the word dudamis in the Greek. And it's where we get our English word dynamite. Jesus told them, wait, wait, after he's come alongside you, after he's come in you, wait. Because you need him to come upon you so that you could have a dynamite, a dynamic, a powerful walk with Jesus. And it's this dynamite power that caused Peter to go from being so timid that he wasn't even able to stand up to a servant girl and he denied Jesus three times. And then 40 days later, after the Holy Spirit came upon him, he was able to stand in front of thousands, including Romans with swords and clubs, and to say, this Jesus, who you crucified, was both Lord and God. You need to repent, get saved, and be baptized. That was the dynamite power that came upon him. It was the same dynamite power of the Holy Spirit that came upon the Apostle John. I love the Apostle John because I think I'm a little bit like him sometimes. Days before Jesus was crucified, they were in a city and they didn't receive Jesus. And he said, I think that we should pray and call 
fire down from heaven and consume all these people and kill them. I just imagine Jesus at that point thinking, and I'm about to let you go? My son keeps saying that every time my oldest daughter does something. You're about to send her off into the wild? And I just imagine Jesus looking at John thinking, Oy vey, you've only got a couple more days to get this. No, we're not going to call fire down from heaven and kill people. That hasn't been our mission statement. And yet that Holy Spirit came upon who Jesus called the sons of thunder. And he changed him so that by the end of his days, he was known as the apostle of love. I mean, you read First John, it's kind of hard to get away from love. I taught that recently. That whole book, it's like, ah, uh, another study on love. Love, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. And some of us in here, that third relationship is what you need for the first time. You've been saved, you love Jesus, you're involved in church. But it seems not to be so easy to walk in the power that you feel like you should have. And you know that Galatians says, walk in the spirit so you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And you're constantly struggling with purity. And you know that you're supposed to love others. And yet you struggle with broken relationships, with unforgiveness, with anger, with lashing out. And I'm not saying that once we're baptized by the spirit that we won't struggle because we absolutely will. But I am saying that when we've been baptized by the Spirit, when we've had that third relationship with the Spirit, when we felt Him come upon us in power that changes, we'll still struggle, but we'll struggle less. And then once those three relationships the Holy Spirit have been taken care of, He comes bearing gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else. The one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. And girls, that's how he takes our broken mirrors, our distorted reflections, and he causes us to be able to emulate, to reflect the power, the love, the perfection of God. Living life by the power of the Holy Spirit's not scary. It's beautiful because it comes from our loving Father. Luke tells us, if you being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will I give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Girls, it's not scary to live with our helper. It's not scary to walk by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And I know that there's scary, crazy things that go on out there, and that's all weird. You're always going to meet a weird person no matter what you're doing. You can meet a weird hairdresser. You can meet a weird checkout teller. You can meet a weird Starbucks barista. You can for sure meet a weird Christian. Let's stop being weird. Can we stop that? No more weirdness. We're done. Life by the power of the Holy Spirit is not scary. I remember when my son was five and we were going on a cruise and it was his first one and he was terrified to get on the ship. And I'm thinking, I know that on that ship is like endless food and endless fun and you are going to have so much fun. He literally, as we're pulling him, had the outside of the ship with his foot and one of his hands and I yanked him onto the ship. And some of you, that's what you feel like right now as I'm talking. No, 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 no. I don't want to start screaming in tongues. No, none of us want you to start screaming in tongues. That's weird. No more weirdness. But you know what? Once my son was on that ship, the day after we got off the cruise, I made him breakfast, and he said, where's my shrimp cocktail? I said, oh, it's over. It's over. The good thing about us is that we're not going on a temporary cruise ship. We're going on a lifelong journey with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Shrimp cocktails all you want. Not from me, but you know him. Maybe there'll be one in your room. Girls, he's what we need. It's not scary. It's not terrifying. It's, it's what we need. Jesus, who, who knows everything, thinks that the Holy Spirit coming upon us in conviction and power and gifts is the best thing that he could give us. So if he thinks that, I think I kind of want to take that, don't you? If he thinks that's best for me, that's what I want to think is best for me. And so let's go ahead and close our eyes and pray. And God, we just want all of you that you want to give to us. God, we can't walk this life on our own. You knew we couldn't walk this life on our own. It's like we talked about before. That's why you left the veil open for us to come in, because we were going to need to run in often. But God, I just, as I I was praying over this study this morning, I just have such a sense that, that maybe there's some in here who have not asked or waited or prayed for that third relationship with the Holy Spirit. And maybe they're newly saved or or maybe they've been bumping through life and just kind of wish they could walk in a little bit more victory and a little bit more power. And so with every eye closed in this room, if that's you, if that's if you would say, I I want that power of the Holy Spirit to come upon me, can I just ask you to stand? With every eye closed, if there's some who would say, Yeah, I I need that filling. I want that filling. Anyone else, precious girls all over the room? Anyone who would say, yeah, yeah, I want, I want that power. Why don't those of you who are standing and anyone else who wants to join them, just lift your hands and, and just pray in your hearts while I'm praying, God, I just pray for these girls. I pray that you would fall afresh on them. God, I pray that you would fill them with your power, that you would baptize them with your spirit, that you would fall upon them afresh and new, 
that you would help them to walk in victory, that they would get this, that it's walking in the spirit, that they would not fulfill the lust of the flesh, that Jesus said, you can't do ministry until you effectively, until you have had the power of the Holy Spirit fall upon you. God, I pray you would baptize these girls with your spirit. Nothing weird, nothing crazy, just a natural, supernatural power that takes hold of their life. Just a new sensitivity to the voice of the Spirit. And now with every eye closed, I just want to ask girls, maybe maybe you don't know the gifts that God has given you. Maybe you don't know the calling of the place of the body of Christ or, or you're wanting to be filled with gifts. Would you just join them in standing? If you're just wanting maybe a new, a new filling or a new relationship or a new gifting poured out upon your life, would you stand and we can pray over you? If you want to be effective in these days, if you want to impact the world in your days, if if you're walking around thinking, I want to make a difference, I need the gifting and the help of the Holy Spirit, God, we just pray that you would gift us, that in those moments where we need you, that, that we wouldn't sit there and try to figure it out on our own. But that, God, we would ask, Lord, would you pour out by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you pour out a gift? I need a gift in this moment. I need a word of wisdom. I need a word of knowledge. Lord, I have to pray, and I don't know what what to pray. And so would you pray through me with the gift of tongues, the Holy Spirit, and, and the groanings which cannot be uttered? God, when we don't know what to do, would you gift us? And now why don't we all join them in standing Let's all stand and let's all lift up our hands. God, as we go forth from this place soon, we just want more of you, Jesus. We want more of what you want to do. We want to be fully surrendered to you. We want to be living sacrifices for you. We want all that you have given us by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, we don't want to be walking around with shovels trying to dig where we were never intended to dig. God, we want you to empower us to be effective. Some, that might be a big giant platform ministry for some. It might be prayer in a prayer closet that is radically building this kingdom of God. For some, it might be the gift of encouragement that that you smile and you love and you think about gifts to give to people. Girls, each one of you is affecting this world for God's kingdom. And God, to do that as effectively as possible, to as effectively as possible put our flesh down, to as effectively as possible set our mind on things above, to as effectively as possible live that crucified life that is no longer we who live but you in us. God, to effectively live that life as a living sacrifice. We ask us that you would flood us by the power of the Holy Spirit to make a difference as soon as we leave this room. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.